people get so fixated on the scale and what that says, especially with diet culture being so prominent, right? Everyone is told that you need to lose fat, you need to diet, that's what it is. And unfortunately, that's not applicable to everyone. Um, and weight at any given situation can be impacted by so many other factors. Um, and it's not the best indicator of health either. Um, and it's a very temporary situation. So people get lost on the here and now and how I feel. Um, instead of understanding that just like you may have lost 10 pounds or gained 10 pounds, right? That happened over a period of time. You have the ability to do that. Now let's find a way that's sustainable within your lifestyle to get you to where you want to be and keep that. Welcome to the Manifested Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Leandro, your host. Today's guest is Kate Callahan, health coach and bikini competitor. Kate, thank you very much for being here today. You're very, very welcome. Glad I could join in. Oh, great. My first question is how, how you firstly got interested in sports? Well, I grew up an athlete. Uh, my entire life, I dedicated my life to basketball. That was like my one dream. Um, if you guys have seen Love and Basketball, <laughs> I wanted to be Monica Reitman-Call. Like, that was my end goal. So I spent my entire childhood, you know, growing up and playing basketball. Um, I ended up going to college and playing Division One basketball. Um, and I had a contract to go overseas and play in France. However, uh, my senior year, I actually tore my patellar tendon. Uh, and once I got injured, I got out of the contract um, and had to have knee surgery. And so that was kind of wow. the the point that changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, and through rehab, I got into just getting stronger, falling in love with getting stronger, um, watching my leg literally grow from like skin and bone to having muscle. Um, and through that process, I just really wanted to get into training. Uh, and I had a friend, I'm from Vermont. So like bodybuilding in what was it? 2016 was not like a popular thing. And I had a friend that was like, you should try bodybuilding. And I was like, what? And of course mm. I thought in my head, like you think of like women's physique, like the bigger, more buff girls. Um, and I was like, I couldn't do that. Like no way. Um, and then I found out about bikini and I was like, let's go for it. Um, and so that's kind of what brought me into this, this realm. Okay. Uh, how old were you when you had this accident, this injury? 18? No, no, no. no. Uh, I guess I was, I just turned 21. Yeah. Yeah, okay, and you, how long did it, did it take you to, to do the whole rehab? Because sometimes knees injuries, they, they take ages. Very long. I yes. was in a straight leg brace for six weeks, um, and that was just the, the very beginning. I couldn't do much at all. I remember it was winter, and it was two days post-surgery, and my mom would kill me if she knew this. Um, but I remember I was laying on the couch and I was like, I can't sit here and not do anything. Like, this is where I need to make a choice. Either I'm going to sit here and let this decision, this situation break me, or I'm going to change it. And I remember getting up off the couch onto my crutches and crutching down. Luckily, we're only like a quarter of a mile from a gym, um, crutching down to the gym, literally sitting on a bench with my leg up and just lifting weights. Like, two days post-op. I was like, I can't sit here. And so every day when she'd go to work, I'd crutch down there just to be in the gym and do something. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into it. And then I just had to do, you know, rehab. You had to do ultrasounds and stuff like that to get, you know, the muscle firing again. And that was really frustrating. I remember, like, it's the little things you take for granted, like the ability to, like, extend your leg. Like, I mm -hmm. couldn't move my leg at all, even out of a brace. It just dangled. Like, you have no strength. Um, so it's very humbling experience, um, but it also kind of, it breaks you down and it, it 
challenges you to overcome something, not only physically, but mentally. And that's another thing I love about bodybuilding in general is there are so many mental tests. Like it's not just about the fat loss. People focus on the fat loss, but there are so many mental tests along the way that when you overcome them, you learn so much more about yourself and what you're capable of. Um, and that is the beauty I think of the sport. And how, what is your goal for bodybuilding at the moment? You're as a bikini competitor, as coach, what's your specific goal? Yeah. So as a competitor, you know, I would like to be an IFBB pro, mm -hmm. you know, I would love to one day step on that Olympia stage and, and represent, you know, America and, you know, the IFBB league, um, as a competitor for pro physique. And then as a coach, I love what I do. I am such a nerd of the sport. Uh, and I can't thank Dr. Bill Campbell, who's been on this podcast, uh, enough for taking me on into his, his lab, the things that we get to study, metabolic adaptations, fat loss, fat gain, um, you name it. It's right in the niche of what I love to do. And it only makes me a better coach. Um, I find that, you know, we have bro science, we have evidence-based practice. And as someone, as a coach, you're kind of in the middle, right? We have suggested things through bro science, but the science to come behind that is always following. Uh, it's never in the forefront. So you take kind of anecdote and then you take what we can find by research, which has limitations within itself, but applying that to my coaching Avenue, I just want to help people find the sustainability in their fat loss, right? We don't have trouble losing weight. Uh, we have a trouble keeping it off long-term. Uh, if you look at fat loss and fat gain studies, we see that most people gain it back within two to five years. Um, if not more. And so as a coach, I just want to make people look at the long-term and keep perspective. People get so fixated on the scale. And what that says, especially with diet culture being so prominent, right? Everyone is told that you need to lose fat. You need to diet. That's what it is. And unfortunately that's not applicable to everyone. Um, and weight at any given situation can be impacted by so many other factors um, and it's not the best indicator of health either. Um, and it's a very temporary situation. So people get lost on the here and now and how I feel, um, instead of understanding that just like you may have lost 10 pounds or gained 10 pounds, right? That happened over a period of time. You have the ability to do that. Now let's find a way that's sustainable within your lifestyle to get you to where you want to be and keep that. Mm, wonderful. Tell me a little bit about your work with Dr. Campbell. Um, so I am going to be a second year master's student in his lab. Um, we did a very big uh, glute study on female fatigue in volume uh, last year. And this fall, we'll be doing a very large study on diet breaks. Um, so we're running a pilot of that now during the summer. I'm one of his health coaches. Um, so I have a couple of people that are involved in the study that check in every week, submit their nutrition logs, um, and that we're monitoring through this as a pilot in order to orient you know, the fall study when we take on more people and have more hands-on uh, the, the outline, the guidelines that we'll be using for that study. You're listening to the Manifested Wellbeing Podcast. The Manifested Wellbeing Podcast. Brought to you by the Wellbeing and Nutrition Coach, Leandro Rodriguez. To find out more, go to Instagram and search the hashtag Manifested Wellbeing. Hashtag Manifested Wellbeing. Now, let's get back to the interview. Um, and again, his, and then in the spring, we'll be doing some rapid fat loss studies, which we're kind of playing with ideas for now, but we won't know until we get the entire research group together and we decide what it is that we really want to focus on. But, um, the research that we do is just very cool. It's so cool to be a part of, 
um, just understanding what goes on, the physiological, the metabolic adaptations that occur when we diet and how sensitive the body really is, but also how resilient it is um, through all the things that we put it through. We see a lot more, you know, it's capable of and it's smarter than we think uh, and we try to outsmart the body, but it always has so many checks and balances and different systems that you can't manipulate all of them. And that's why there are so many questions that we don't have answers to. Um, but the biggest lesson I've learned from him and from Dr. Buckner, who I also work closely with, is question everything. Even the things that you are told that you know, uh, question it. Ask why. Look at the literature and look at the research and, and poke holes and, and try to find gaps. Because, you know, like I said, research has limitations and there are so many things that are assumed uh, when performing any type of research or using any type of measure. Um, and so looking at each data point objectively and seeing the flaw maybe in the design or the outcome or what it's really applicable to. Um, I find very interesting, and, and I try to, you know, to challenge my own biases. If I can argue the other side or look at it differently, you know, I try to do that for sure. And, and the conversations that we have within the research group and the ideas that we develop, you know, each of them are challenging, and each of them are poking holes, and each of them are questioning everything. Um, and when you can have those types of conversations and try to remove bias, um, it, just, it just promotes greater growth. And so I'm really excited to see where our research group will go. Amazing. And as a coach, with what type of population are you working with? A general population, athlete, specific for athletes, speaking competitors? So when I first got into coaching, I worked with a lot of athletes, female athletes, mm. um, high performance output basketball players in particular, um, just getting into like how to train adequately for that, how to feel adequately for that. Um, and then once I got into bodybuilding, you know, I started working with just lifestyle people because I started to understand the impact of training and nutrition together when you pair them properly, um, when you feel the body correctly and you un implement, you know, training strategies that take into consideration intensity and volume and load and frequency, um, that you can go ahead and feel them properly to get changes without having to do too much of anything, honestly. Um, but just understanding proper nutrition, getting enough protein, sustaining that and being very clear with what the training goal is. Um, not everyone can experience body recomposition. We wish that they could, right? Um, but unfortunately, everyone's like, well, I want to lose fat and I want to put on muscle, but I don't want to get bulky, um, which I hear a lot from women. Um, but lifting weights definitely doesn't make you bulky. I'm over here trying to get big. <laughs> um, and so that's who, how I started. And then when I um, got into competing myself and I aligned myself with Paul Revelia, who's my coach uh, and head at Pro Physique, um, he started mentoring me more about the guidelines of bodybuilding coaching. Yeah. Um, and through that journey with him, I started working more and more with physique competitors. And now I, I work with a lot of bikini girls. Um, I do have a classic physique guy that I'm excited that I'm helping with his prep. Um, and I have a couple figure girls as well. So um, I'm just getting more and more into that. But again, it's very niche. Um, and I, I love my lifestyle clients. And at the end of the day, I think that bodybuilding is glorified. Um, but it is a lifestyle that we all truly live. I think bodybuilders in general are just a little bit more type A, a little bit more neurotic, um, if you will, in nature, which is completely fine. I'm picking on myself here uh, as I am very much that way. But, you know, it's, it's still applicable. The principles are still applicable, right? Um, you had to start somewhere. You didn't just go from, you know, never dieting or understanding nutrition to being a pro bodybuilder. You had to learn along the way, you know, what that looks like, what nutrition looks like, what training looks like and how it applies best to you. And it's the same principles that I use to coach my competitors, you know, in lifestyle. It's just a little bit more hands-on, uh, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more, you have to be more headstrong. You have to have those habits in place. You have to understand 
uh, and I very much coach my clients on this, is the physiological and mental changes that you will occur uh, during your deficit, during that aggressive time. When you get closer and closer to stage lean, um, your body doesn't give a shit about how lean you are, how much more fat you have to lose. It cares about being healthy, right? So it's adapting and understanding those adaptations, understanding what how it happens to your mental state, your your sleep, uh, your stress levels, you know, your your period, your menstrual cycle. You know, I have all my clients track that stuff because it is important. Um, and so again, it's just the same principles being applied and then really dialing them in and paying more and more attention and getting more and more data, being more and more data driven as to the adjustments that I make with my uh, prep clients and such. And wonderful. Can you tell me about, uh, as, a, as a bikini competitor, if you're coaching or if you're competing, I would like to understand from you what the, the structured nutrition plan that you, you, you would use for general, for a person, pre-competition, post-competition, what would be the process? Oh, that's so individualized because mm. everyone starts in a different place and everybody responds to different macronutrient distributions, different ratios. You know, some people respond really well to refeeds. Some people do not. Some people need a diet break. Some people don't. Um, you know, some people respond super well to cardio. Mm. Uh, some people don't and they need a, an aggressive deficit. Um, some people, you can't, you can't get their carbs, you know, very high in a refeed. They just hold water. You can't fill them out or, or. Uh, linearly load them into a show because they just start to hold water. Um, some people fat fat load very well as far as body composition is concerned. Um, you know, they take fats better on refeeds than they do carbs. Um, mm. And so it's just very individual, right? The goal in general with any type of fat loss is creating a deficit. Um, my goal is always to retain as much muscle and support that, keep calories as high as possible. So I would rather, you know, especially towards the end, have someone eating more food while doing more work um, again, and bet more energy sources might provide for better cardiovascular work, um, you know, more energy to get through those. Whereas if you're just dieted, 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 and then you have extreme amounts of cardio, we see a lot of water retention, a lot of stress. You're starting to compromise muscle retention um, and things like that. So my protocols usually are to keep, you know, food as high as possible and, you know, let them know that it's going to take some time. If we have to get cardio high, then we're going to have to do that. And I never... I always ask my clients how they're feeling and what they want to do because motivation plays a huge factor in the outcome. Um, are you ready to push? You know, are you ready to kick it up a notch? And, and my, most of my competitors are like, hell yes, I'll do whatever it takes, right? Uh, most of us would eat dirt if you told us to. That's just how we are as far as being type A and neurotic uh, with these goal settings. Um, but that also comes to show how important the reverse is on the outside uh, coming out of the competition. I always have that conversation going into peak week. This is what we're going to be looking at post-show. This is the game plan and the strategy that we need to have in place. Um, because a lot of people, unfortunately, are left after the show. I know a lot of coaches ghost people. Um, I get a lot of clients from coaches like that. And it's very unfortunate because the body is so sensitive. Um, they're very food-focused. Uh, they're hunger. They're insatiable. And those are all, again, normal adaptations that occur with dieting. I want to make that very clear. When you're dieting for a contest prep, it is normal for those things to happen. Um, that is the body adapting. Um, it's not that your metabolism is broken. It's not that you are, you know, broken or something and you're just going to be broken forever, right? These are adaptations that we can reverse out of. But paying attention to those types of things is super important. Um, there's been studies, and I've talked with Dr. Campbell about this, about how important it is to regain your lean body mass that you were at 
um, in order for hunger signaling to come back to a normal where your leptin and ghrelin are secreting you know, normally to let you know about hunger and satiety, right? So reversing out of it, keeping training and increasing food enough, um, but not too quickly because your body's also primed to store body fat. And we've seen body fat overshooting and there are studies on this um, that's, that support that idea as well. So guiding someone you know, not only into the show in the healthiest way that you can, letting them know that the adaptations and the things that they're experiencing are normal. And if they're not, you know, as a coach, it is your responsibility to get them to a PCP and get their input. Obviously, you know, we're not health professionals. We are professionals in what we do. Um, but health also has to be monitored. Um, again, then that's a big reason why I have my female competitors monitor their menstrual cycle, right? It's normal for women to get low enough to where they're losing it. But in the reverse, now the goal has to be, do we get it back? When do we get it back? Now, um, now in this sorry, in this point in a minority, uh, how how predominant it is is most most of females would go in would lose their cycle, or what would yes. be the proportion of people, and how long would would it last after the competition, after regaining weight and after regaining body fat? This is such a great question, um, and this is actually a study that I really wanted to do a case series on because everyone's response is different. So things that seem to play a factor are, have they dieted before? Have they done a show before, right? Um, newbies usually don't, especially at the regional level, right? There's different levels of leanness mm -hmm. required per the, the level that you achieve in the sport. Um, so for the regional level, most girls hold more body fat. Um, therefore, most of them, most of them don't necessarily lose their cycle. Now leveling up and getting to the national stage, you have to be conditioned. Um, and getting to that level of leanness, most females lose their cycle. Um, not all of them, but most of them do. Um, and again, I would assume at the pro level that they do that same situation. Um, reversing out of it and getting your menstrual cycle back, it seems that you need to be in a surplus um, at least as long as you were dieting. So people think of off season as, oh, I started reversing. So I've been in off season for six months. Well, three of those months, you're actually just getting back to baseline, right? We're just getting back healthy. Um, we're getting back to your normal body fat. So you've really only been in three months when, you know, you think you've been in six. And I think people don't account for that uh, because it does play a huge role, not only in just getting healthy as a baseline, um, but we see people trying to diet and not getting a response. And that's because they haven't achieved that the reverse of the metabolic adaptations that they concurred during dieting, right? There's a time and a place for it, especially to get that aggressive in your fat loss. Um, so making sure that you take a long enough time off. And for menstrual cycles, I mean, it could be as long, it could be longer. It really just depends on the person um, and what it is that's fueling their menstrual cycle, um, getting enough carbohydrates and fats in the system for sure. Um, making sure that they're equating, you know, their normal calories, getting them back up to a healthy place. I like to see them, you know, 16 times their body weight. You know, that's a good place for me for maintenance. Um, if more, that's great. Uh, but at a baseline, I'd like to see that in someone's off season. That's great. Now, how about you? What are your plans about competing uh, in the near future? Yeah. So. Um, I actually just finalized my plans for competing. So my last show was November of last year, and I will not start dieting in any way, shape, or form until after the holidays this year. So I want to take a full year um, of just kind of eating in a surplus, training hard. Um, that being said, it will be perfect timing for the rapid fat loss uh, series that we'll be doing for Dr. Campbell's lab. So we've kind of discussed how I would want to jumpstart my prep and get some data on that. Um, and we're also keeping my reverse data and we have my prep data from last year. So we've got kind of a, a case going, 
Um, so I can kind of monitor what's going on with like my lean body mass, my resting metabolic rate relative to my calories, stuff like that. Um, so I can't discuss that study, but what I can say is that I'm looking to prep at the beginning or very, very end of this year is when we will start my prep for next year. Okay. Um, year round, how many competitions, because I don't have much information about the U.S. Uh, bikini competitions, how many competitions do you have uh, around the year? And as a competitor, how many times do they compete throughout the year? Three times, four times? How, how are the seasons over there? So, um, wow, uh, there are lots of competitions. I'll just say that. There are tons. Yeah. Um, there are fewer national level shows, but they're all well known. They're all well planned out and scheduled. So um, if the competitor is working with a coach that cares about their health, um, they will plan to have shows very close together. Um, so we like we get that lean, we get to the stage, we compete, we bring the best, we improve um, each and every time, um, but we're not dragging it out get across the year. So mind you, shows start in March and they go all the way to December. So someone could potentially compete all year. Um, that is not what I would ever advise anyone. Um, so for example, myself, uh, you know, my plans are to go ahead and get on the stage at the end of May, shoot for the national shows um, in June and July at the latest, um, and then reevaluate based on the outcome of that situation for me. So uh, I do the same. I just had a competitor compete at her first regional show. She got nationally qualified. We'll be doing another show in three weeks. Um, so it's just kind of keeping them as close together as you possibly can. If you do have to drag it out, I highly suggest taking a diet break, um, increasing their calories, um, allowing them to kind of fume through those. Again, the body is sensitive, but it also is going to fuel that if you stay on top of your cardio when you're training, your body will burn through it. Um, so it's just important to pay attention to those things. And I also monitor, you know, during that diet break, how fast we're increasing calories, how high they're getting, how the body's responding, because you do know that you have the potential to diet them down again. Um, and you want to make sure that they're going to respond. So just monitoring all that stuff. And like I said, I'm kind of a nerd. I, I get as much data on that person as possible. Um, when it comes to all things, you know, training, bowel movements, menstrual cycle, grams of carbs, fats, proteins, um, you know, did they do their cardio? How long was it? What was in the intensity and the duration of that cardio? Um, you know, what their weight is every day. What does the trend look like? Um, so all of those things matter. Are they, you know, pooping regularly, like little things like that? Um, what is their fiber, their sodium, their water? So the more data I can get on that person, the better the picture that I have of what's going on with them. Um, and the better I can monitor them, whether it's they're continuing to diet, um, and then they're getting out or they're going to diet. We got to take a break here and wait for this show. You know, this is the best game plan. So, and again, planning those shows out, especially at the national level is going to depend on feedback from the judges. Um, so getting that in, getting that feedback and then making the adjustments necessary to make them more successful, uh, the next time they step on that stage. Wonderful. Um, to finalize, would you like to talk about any other pro project you're working on? Anything else you would like to discuss? Website, you have uh, Instagram account, anything you want to share with us? Yeah, if you guys wanted to follow me, I am on Instagram at Kate and Michelle, K-A-I-T-A-N-N-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Um, I am also on YouTube at the same name. So you guys can check me out there. I do do a lot of talks about the research that we have going on at USF, um, the stuff that I have going on with my own prep, um, dieting, things that people just don't know, um, trying to spread the knowledge and sustainable fat loss. Um, so those are kind of my handles and where I'm present the most. Um, and then, of course, you can follow Dr. Bill Campbell, who posts all of our research. Uh, we'll be, have, be having new published studies coming out 
uh, this year. So definitely pay attention to that stuff. That's wonderful. And to finish, I would like to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Okay. 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 What is your favorite book? My favorite book. Mm. So to read for like knowledge or to read for you, like discuss? You choose, you choose. Okay. The best book ever, I've ever read is It Ends With Us. And it's like a, a suspense romance novel. So if you're not into that stuff, don't read it. But it was very well written. Why, I loved why it. Why do you like it? Uh, well, I, it was just, you, you had to keep turning the pages. You didn't know what was going to happen. And then it just got like messy and you're like what's the outcome and there's a lot of drama and just suspense and i like that stuff something that keeps you know me wondering what's going to happen on the next page which not all books are capable of by the way uh it was great i read it in a day so that just speaks to how how well it was written that's good what's your favorite movie my favorite movie oh gosh the grinch i love the grinch i love all things christmas and the jim carrey one um, I haven't watched the new one because I'm afraid that if they didn't recreate the, the, the movie to, you know, incorporate everything, it's not as well done. I'll, I'll yeah. have a feeling about it. So I just haven't seen it, but the Grinch. Okay. Your favorite hobby. My favorite hobby. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love what I do. I love training and I love studying. So it's kind of like those things like I live the lifestyle but I love it like it's just so fulfilling to me um outside of that uh I like to read uh yeah those types of things I like to dance that's fun but I don't like dance for any given situation or scenario I'm not very good at it but it is fun. what kind of dance you do you do like I don't really know that it would be considered any type of genre yeah. <laughs> it's like me trying to have you seen hitch you know the two-step and the Okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's cool. me. That's me. Oh, that's cool. And um, an inspirational person for you. Oh my goodness gracious, Oprah. Why? <laughs> she is just her message, the things that she goes through, the way that she gives to people. Like I want my message to be able to impact as many people. You know, I think that that's so inspiring and everyone's niche is different, right? Her and I definitely don't have the same niche, but you know, if I could spread knowledge and impact lives the way that she did, um, and she does, and she continues to, and to give back, you know, that is my long-term goal. I want to leave some impact on people, you know, whether it's that I know about it or not, um, that doesn't matter. Just like if my messages can help someone, if a YouTube video helps someone, if an Instagram post helps someone, if my knowledge, uh, with training and nutrition and, and fat loss and goals and sustained health and the differences and all that stuff, if that can help someone impact them, like that is my long-term goal with everything that I do. So she's very inspiring to me. Nice. A uh, place you would like to visit? Mm, Australia. What's 100% Australia. What's nice about Australia? I don't know. It's hot and everyone has like cool accents and just everyone talks about it like it's the most beautiful place ever. So I'm like, yes, I need to go. Wonderful. And to finish, a meaningful life for me is... is one that leaves something behind for everyone. Like I said, that's that would be the most meaningful thing is just to be able to impact lives and enhance them and make them better, whatever that might look like for someone. Great. Thank you very much for your time. You're nice very welcome. Nice to talk to you. Cheers. You as well.